Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, everybody. Just before we begin today, I wanted to uh, remind you that if you got, uh, if you're part of our text group, you had a text from us that talked about, uh, we're trying out some sermon notes today, we're going to try something new. So I'm going to put that uh, right up over here. You should see uh, a website that you can go to and check out our sermon notes. We're just testing this out to see what it's like, see how well it works for us. Um, if you got the text from us, you can just click on that link and go there. Now, I get if you're watching this on your phone, it's kind of hard to do the sermon notes at the same time. But maybe if you've got this on the computer or on the TV, um, you can try doing the sermon notes. And please, we want some feedback. Does this work? Was it helpful? Um, maybe you even comes back to something and says, you know, man, I'm just not feeling the sermon notes. Don't need them. So let us know how you're feeling, what you think about it. Uh, we, we'd love to hear from that. You know, we're in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit. And this is the second to last week. Pastor's going to finish it up this week. As we've been talking about all these great characteristics of faithfulness and love and peace and joy and kindness and goodness, sometimes we, we look at those characteristics and say, yeah, I have that. I bring that. You know, um, I, I bring in the love, or I'm a faithful person, or, or you know, everybody in my family, they fight a lot, but not me, I'm the peacemaker. And we, we think we've got a little superhero letter on our chest, and a cape, and, and we can strike a pose, and we're, we're, we're here to save the day. We have these characteristics. And so today, we're talking about gentleness. Yeah, and I hear... The collective brake squealing as everybody stomps on the brakes. It was gentleness. I have the gentleness. Who wants to be gentle? Right? I'm, I'm brave. I'm strong in Christ. We're soldiers for the Lord. We're in the Lord's army. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And gentleness? Who's ever heard of gentleness, man? I mean, I, I don't want to do that. And part of that is because we get gentleness and weakness confused. We think gentleness is the same as weakness, but they are not the same thing. Gentleness does not equal weakness. Okay? So sometimes when we think of weakness or meekness, sometimes um, we, we think of that as being uh, weak, right? Meekness is weak. And, and I often think of like, a caste system in society where people are born into these different levels from the high levels, the middle levels to the bottom level. And if you think of maybe the Middle Ages, you think of peasants being in that bottom level. And they had to be subservient to everybody above them or they got killed, right? And they were meek because they were weak. They had no choice. They had no power. They didn't want to be meek. They had to be meek. Gentleness, on the other hand, is, has a different meaning. And one of the things I love about the ancient Greeks is that their words were very precise. And, and they had specific meanings. 
And this word gentleness means power under control. I don't know if you guys remember watching the TV series way back uh, called Kung Fu with uh, David Carradine, uh, Kwai Chang Kane. He was a Shaolin monk. Uh, he was half Chinese, I believe, and half American. And he'd become a Shaolin monk and learned to Kung Fu. And now he was in the old Wild West searching for his half-brother. And as he did this, he, you know, as he wandered through, um, he came across people that were being... Um, tormented or taken advantage of or needed help and the only thing that he had to help was his kung fu training and his spiritual training because as a Shaolin monk he was very good at the kung fu he had learned the martial arts and he was a force to be reckoned with but he had his spiritual training to kept that under control he was very humble and very meek The Greeks, when they defined this word, it, it kind of came with the thought of a wild animal that had been tamed. So maybe a, a horse, you know, a wild stallion, and the power and the majesty that that horse would have. But you can tame that horse, you can learn to ride it, or it can pull a wagon or a plow and, and be helpful. And so that power can come under control. And so gentleness is power under control. It's the submission of our strength and will to God's control and purpose. Gentleness is not weakness. It's power under control. And, and therefore, um, gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit that brings us under submission to God's will. We take our power, however little bit our power is, and we submit it to God. See, gentleness is when love can touch. Gentleness is love can touch. I have this quote, and I don't know who said this, um, but it wasn't me. Somebody else wrote this. It says, without gentleness, love does not touch others. Without gentleness, our touch is harmful instead of helpful. It's painful rather than pleasing. It's selfish instead of selfless. Only as our strength is submitted to God, only as power is brought under control of the Spirit through love can we reach out and touch one another. See, gentleness is the balance between two extremes. It's the, it's the power and it's the submission. Strength under control. And in the middle, you find gentleness. And when we think of gentleness, and we especially think of it with our old definition of kind of weakness or meekness and you think back to the Bible there, there's nobody that pops to mind when you think of, of gentleness but when you think of the new definition of power under control one name pops right to mind and that's Jesus right? I don't know how Jesus went through his trial and never said the word to empty heaven of angels to come down and lay waste to this planet and rescue him power under control so we're going to look at three stories from the life of Jesus and how he used gentleness in those three stories. First story, story number one, John chapter four. This is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, these are all stories you probably know. If, if you've been around churches at all, you have probably heard these stories. I hope we're going to look at them just a little bit differently today. So 
Remember, Jesus and the disciples walked everywhere. And they're walking back home. And Jesus goes the long way. I don't know about you, but when we're walking, I don't want to go the long way. I want to go the shortest way possible. Right? And so, they go the long way. Because Jesus has an appointment to keep at a well. With this woman. In the heat of the day. It's hot. The disciples go into town to look for food and Jesus waits by the well. Sure enough, she shows up. But you don't go get water in the heat of the day because it's hot and water is heavy. Have you ever tried to pick up one of those five-gallon jugs and put it in the dispenser? It's heavy. So you go when it's cool in the morning and in the evening unless you don't want to be seen. Then you go in the heat of the day when nobody will be there. And this woman heads out to the well in the heat of the day like she's probably done many times before. Except this time Jesus is there. She gets to the well and there's Jesus sitting there. And I'm pretty sure that the Bible doesn't record everything that they say. But they talk for a while about her life and how maybe it's not all it should be. She's living with somebody who's not her husband. She asks him about worship and who should we worship. And, and I don't know where else their discussion goes. But here's the amazing part. is Jesus is breaking down all kinds of social barriers. Because Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. And rabbis and teachers didn't talk to sinners. And men didn't talk to women that were outside of their family unit. And Jesus is just tearing all that down and talking to this woman. And it is so profound that what he says is so profound that she goes into town and brings everybody or nearly everybody back out to meet Jesus. Now, how does the woman who is doing her best to avoid everybody go into town and bring everybody back out? I don't even know how she does that. I don't know what she says to him. But certainly this woman's life has changed because of this encounter. And we can presume that at least some of the people in that town lives were probably changed because of that encounter. And Jesus reaches out with a gentle touch. He doesn't say, hey man, you're living in sin. Get lost. It's a gentle touch to include them in. Second story is in John chapter 8. This is the story of the woman who's been caught in adultery. And I've heard a lot of pastors and people say that she was probably set up because the, the teachers and the leaders were trying to trap Jesus and they needed a way to do that. So they set this woman up so that they could set Jesus up. So this is a, a pretty grand scheme they have. But they bring this woman out and say, she's been caught in adultery. And Moses' law says, we can stone her. And Jesus says, great, everybody without sin, you cast the first stone. I don't know if you ever realized this or not, but that gave Jesus the authority to cast the first stone. He was without sin. He could have thrown the first stone. He had the power and the authority to do so. But he doesn't. Because he's gentle and his power and authority are under control. Instead, Jesus gives her a gentle touch and says, go and sin no more. Third story, real quick. Luke chapter 19. This is the story of Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus, maybe. I'm not sure what the right way to say that is. But Zacchaeus, as we know, was a man of short stature. He was not very tall. He was also a tax collector. Um, and to make matters worse, he was collecting taxes for an invading government, the Romans. So he was collecting money and sending it to Rome. And the way tax collectors made their money was they overtaxed you a little bit and skimmed some off the top. And that was understood, except sometimes you could get greedy and you could take too much so that you could live a wealthy, wealthy lifestyle, not just get by. And that's what Zacchaeus was doing. And so Zacchaeus is struggling with several identity issues here. Um, men don't like to be short. That, that's really a bad thing for men. And I think that's why the, the Bible kind of mentions this, because women like tall, dark, and handsome. And, and guys know it. So if you're short, you know, that's kind of puts you at a disadvantage. And sometimes you have a bit of a complex about your height. And then he's a tax collector. We don't like tax collectors. Then he's working for the Romans. We don't like the Romans. And furthermore, he's, he's stealing from us. So, you know, Zacchaeus is just, everything's going against him. But Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I see you up there in that tree, and I'm going to your house today. And we don't know too much about what Jesus and Zacchaeus talked about at his house. But we do know that Zacchaeus has a change of heart and vows to pay back all the money he stole. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Wow. Wow. Jesus could have condemned him. What he was doing was wrong. Not collecting taxes, that's, that's not a sin. But stealing is. But Jesus showed gentleness. And why doesn't Jesus just come and crush and destroy these sinners? Because Jesus came in gentleness to restore their relationship with God. Jesus came to save the lost with a gentle touch from God. Gentleness means understanding that people are weak and God expects you to treat them nicely and not abuse them and not get angry with them because of their weakness. You ever been frustrated with somebody because they are uh, they're not as gifted as you? They're not as quick as you. They don't learn as fast as you. They don't get as much done. They're not as dedicated as you. Um, whatever. And it's frustrating. We get angry with them. Sometimes we make fun of them. We laugh at them. We put them down. Why? Because then it's not my problem. It's your problem. You are the issue. You can't learn it. You're not good enough. And we deflect away from us to them. What if God treated us like that? What if God came along and said, You know what? You humans, you sinned and got yourself in a mess. You can get yourself out. I'm done with you. You messed it up. You fix it. What if Jesus, when he came to Lazarus' tomb, saw Mary and Martha crying and said, What's the matter? I told you I was coming. I'm coming. Just relax. Good grief. That'd be kind of harsh. But Jesus isn't like that, right? When Jesus gets to Lazarus' tomb, he weeps. When Jesus sees Peter sinking, he grabs him. When Jesus sees 
uh, the lepers and the lame and the sick. He cares for them and has compassion on them. Look how he responds in weakness. And when Jesus sets an example for us for dealing with the weak, how are we going to deal with them? You know, it took me a long time to understand this text. This comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Um, you probably know this text. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I used to wonder, what does that mean? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is, what's he talking about? It doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense at all. But now I, I get it, and I'm starting to understand. See, what happens if your child has made bad decisions and is facing um, dire consequences because of those decisions. And there's nothing you can do about it except go to Jesus. It's out of your control. But He will give you rest. What is it if your marriage is failing and, and, and you don't know how to fix it and nothing seems to work and it just gets worse and worse and worse and you don't know what to do? The only thing you can do is to go to Jesus. He will give you rest. Or somebody you love is sick and is maybe going to die and, and you're beside yourself and you don't know what to do. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing the doctors can do anymore. Go to Jesus and He will give you rest. It doesn't say He'll make everything better. It doesn't say He'll fix everything. But He will give you rest. We'll find rest for your souls. A lot of us are familiar with John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And sometimes we count ourselves so happy, because we're in the group. We, we, we you know, we're getting the everlasting life. Yay for us! But what about everybody else? Maybe we should be putting our arms around them and dragging some of them along with us. See, John 3.17 says, God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but to save it. And we shouldn't be sitting here going, Hey, too bad you're such a sinner. I'm going to heaven. We ought to be true in what we can to pull those people along with us. Not by condemning them, not by telling them what they're doing is wrong. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have standards and there isn't right and wrong, because there is. But that's not the way to reach people. We need to be gentle. Notice that Jesus is always gentle with people. Even when they were doing wrong. They knew they were doing wrong. But that wasn't the issue. That wasn't the issue. Jesus reaches out to the immoral, to the dishonest, to the self-centered with a gentle touch. I have a couple questions for us to ponder this week as we go forward. One, how will we treat our neighbor who is not like us? Will we respond with prejudice or will we respond with a gentle touch? 
How will we treat a friend who has been immoral, done something they shouldn't have done? Will we condemn them? Or will we treat them with a gentle touch? How about those who have been dishonest and selfish? Will we push them away? Or will we have a gentle touch? I certainly hope that we learn to use the gentle touch that Jesus showed us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this gentleness, this gift, this fruit of the Spirit we can get, Lord. Help us to understand it. This doesn't mean weakness or meekness. It doesn't mean we have to be a pushover. We have to let everybody push us around, Lord. This means that we have love and we care for everybody. We want to reach out to people with a gentle touch so they can feel the love of God in a gentle way. So many people have heard the gospel but have not experienced the gentle touch of love. Lord, help us to be that to the people that we rub elbows with, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, the person in line behind us. Help us to make a difference, Lord, and to bring the love and the kindness back to our society. Be with us now, Lord. Keep us safe. And bring us back again next time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. We're glad you joined us this morning. Have a great week, and God bless. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.